Well, we are continuing in our series on 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, seven qualities essential for a fruitful and effective life in Christ. And uh, today we are looking at brotherly affection. So before we look at God's word, let's pray. Dear Lord, pray that you would be with us. Give us understanding and insight by your Holy Spirit as we hear your word and listen to it and consider it. And help us to see each other through the eyes, the eternal truths of your word. And that we will be drawn together in the brotherly affection of what Christ has done in each of our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so my question for you to start with here is, who are your people? Who are your people? By your people, I mean, you know, people who accept and embrace each other, share life, and stick together. Everyone needs to belong. I think we all know we need to belong. Even introverts, like me, need to belong. We just want to belong very quietly, silently, together. <laughs> But this isn't this belonging. Our need to belong is not a flaw in humanity. Back in creation, when everything was very good, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So this belonging, this is a good feature. It's a design feature. We are meant for community, for fellowship, camaraderie, brotherhood. These bring richness to life. And that's why Second Peter says it's essential for a fruitful life in Christ. Reading here, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So brotherly affection, that word there, it's sometimes translated brotherly love. It comes from the word Philadelphia. And it means, literally, the, the affection between siblings. But it's also used to describe the affection that develops when people are bonded by common experience and common cause. Now, we all have all probably experienced this, that not all those bonds last. <laughs> the, uh, the bond I have with, you know, with my college friends, you know, that... A lot of those bonds aren't there anymore. Some of, some, of, some of those bonds are there for a season of life. But, and also, you can, not all brotherhoods are healthy. They're not all marked by healthy things. Um, my best friends in childhood were usually from sports. And because my dad moved around, moved, our family moved around because my dad was in the Navy, uh, so we usually, every new town, sign up, for City League Soccer. That's, you know, that's what my, me and my brother did. City League Soccer. And I remember age 13, the team I was on was so miserable. 
Every last kid was just incredibly foul-mouthed and selfish and incapable of teamwork. I mean, it was just a, a group of ball hawks. <laughs> and not surprisingly, we lost almost all the time, and it was, it was just miserable. And, and I stuck with that team for two seasons. I can't believe it. Two years I stuck with that team. And so when I, when I let that go, when I left, and I joined middle school cross country, middle school track and field, that was a sweet relief. And I made some of my best friends over there. Uh, Alvin Hernandez, Andrew Hernandez, and later, when I'm moving again later on, Ryan Hammer. These, these were some of my best middle school, high school friends. But of course, I did move again and again, and um, I'm old enough that uh, there was no social media at that time. You know, friendships didn't, <laughs> usually didn't survive uh, moves like that, because you just, it's very hard to stay connected. And so I had to start over, and coming again, finding, trying to find my people was hard. You know, I, I got very good at adapting to whatever groups I found there, trying to become whoever I needed to be to, to fit in and find belonging. And what I usually found though, you know, I, I made friends of course, but I found that I wasn't fully accepted. Like I, I wasn't as a friend like the friends they grew up with were. And of course that makes, that's natural, it makes sense. They know I'm, I wasn't there for those earlier things and they know I'm leaving in a couple years. I'm just not gonna be. But it sometimes, it left me feeling like a stray dog that no one wants. And, and I share that to you, not for your sympathy, not for sympathy. <laughs> God has been very good to me. He's put amazing people in my life. You all have been very good to me. Uh, I share this because I know there are people out there listening who, feel, who are feeling this right now. Maybe people even in here who are feeling this right now, that isolation. Because America is an increasingly disconnected society. We are isolated. We are selfish, increasingly selfish. We don't treat each other well. We break trust. We destroy relationships. We don't know how to forgive or reconcile. And so increasingly people cut each other out of each other's lives. Now, as I mentioned earlier, social media, and social media, it does give this amazing opportunity for the, for the outcasts to find each other, and I'm very glad for that. But it also, in practice, in, in America, broadly, I'm speaking broadly of America here, in practice, what we do with that is we, we curate our social circles. We say, I'm, not, I'm only going to have in my social circle the things that mirror what I want to see and hear and I'm not going to let in anything that makes me uncomfortable. Well, God's Word has something to say about our broken relationships and our disconnection. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. What causes quarrels? And what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. 
So we all need belonging. We all need brotherly love, sisterly love. But our sins that we commit against each other keep ruining this. We need God to heal us, to reconcile us, and to form us into his family, his people. Now in, the, in our second letter, second Peter here, uh, Peter doesn't take, he doesn't go through the nature of brotherly affection. He doesn't go in depth into it. However, in his first letter, he does. And so we're going to take a look here at, at first Peter uh, to, to do, dig into um, brotherly affection more. Okay, so first Peter chapter one, verses 22 and 23 says this, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. So our, there's a, a direct connection here between our brotherly affection and what God has done in you to make you born again to be a child of God. And that, that is the, the truth here. There's a truth here that transforms you so that brotherly affection is sincere among us. And that core truth is God loves you. God has affection for you. And his affection, it's declared in Scripture, and it is shown especially in Jesus. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 36, speaking of Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So God has affection for people, especially for outcasts. God longs to have connection with you. And he longs for this so much so that he sent Jesus to be a man and live with humanity. John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt among us. There's, there's no closer connection than your own flesh and blood living together with you. And Jesus tells his disciples about this change. John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. So Jesus calls his followers friends. He shares his whole heart and mind with you. Everything the Father has for you, he, Jesus shares to you. But he also goes beyond that. He shares his spirit with you. He puts his spirit within you. Romans 8, 14 and 16. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are 
children of God. So when God saves you, His Spirit comes in you and lives in you and transforms your spirit so that your spirit becomes like His. He is now closer to you than a brother. God is your heavenly Father. Jesus is your brother. He changes your heart so that your, your heart and soul naturally cries out, Abba, or Daddy. And that's connection here. That's the, the demonstration back to 1 Peter 1.23. Since you have been born again by His Spirit. So God loves you so much, He sent His Son to die so that you could be born again. So that God could be your heavenly Father and Jesus your brother. Jesus came alongside us. He shared in our weakness, in our misery. He bore our hatred and division so that we could, be, could share in his brotherly affection. And a true brother, he shows us this. A true brother is, is not just there for the laughs, but he sticks with you through your troubles. So the camaraderie, the connection, the belonging the brotherhood, the understanding we each long for we, is found most truly in God. And I found this to be true. I mean, I shared earlier, you know, in childhood, I, I felt like a stray, which sometimes, you know, leads you to not like yourself very much. And, and what got me through those years was the love of my parents and the love of God. No matter how others treated me, I knew I was loved. Now, sadly, too many Parents choose to not show that love to their children and the world around us. We, when we speak of the love of a mother, the love of a father, the love of a brother, the love of a sister, too many people do not know what this means. They don't know this experience because they are rejected by the ones who ought to love them the most. And human nature we all long for someone who who chooses to love us we want you know, we we long for that someone that chose to love you and the family of god really really did this for me uh, when i was 16 and i lost my mother to cancer and the my friends mothers in the church stepped in and became spiritual moms to me. They, they stepped in and did this. No one, no one told them to do it. They stepped in and did this for me. And to this day, they are very dear to me. And I share this, one because I've, I've seen how God, through his people and himself, shows his love to us at our fellowship, our spiritual family. And remind you of this because you could be that for someone. You could be that demonstration of God's sincere love for someone who is not experiencing that, who's never had that. But we're here talking about God's love. And the most amazing thing then is that God chooses to love you. Because we do not naturally, naturally love God. We read earlier in Romans there about God's great love while we were still enemies of God. 
he chose to love us. So scripture tells us we, we're not, we don't naturally love God. Unless we're born again, we don't naturally love him. We're actually enemies of him. And our, and our own experience confirms this. And yet while we are enemies, God loved us. While we are enemies, Christ died for us. God chooses you. He's not obligated to love you, but he chooses to. He wants you in his family. And in Jesus, he makes this a reality. He makes this a reality when you've been born again through the word of God. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, he teaches that although this gift is it's individually received, you've personally got to receive it, but it, it's a gift that transforms us together. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you... And you, this you here is a plural, it's a you all, y'all, but y'all. <laughs> you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Believers are united by Jesus. He has made a new reality. He makes brothers out of people from different tribes, tongues, and nations. And he says all believers together are his special people. Once you did not belong, but now you are the people of God. Now back to our to Second Peter, chapter one, verse one. Peter says who he's writing to. He's writing to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. It's his description of a Christian. By faith we receive the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit. So each believer is fully God's child. Each believer is a participant, a sharer in the divine nature. God has made you his child, and that means his family is your family. His people are your people. So do, do you embrace fellow believers as your people? And if you struggle with this, let what Christ has done change your perspective. Don't look at what you see on the surface and other people look at what God has done. God has chosen you. God has chosen that other person, that other believer. And together you have one heavenly father. We have the one Holy Spirit in each of us. And that other believer he is your brother in your Christ. She is your, your sister in Christ. And together you, we are a royal priesthood of God. We also share the same hope of heaven and we're working together for God's kingdom. And because of what God has done in your life, you have a unique understanding of each other. You can, have, you can be sympathetic understanding of each other's struggles with sin, of each other's doubts, of each other's questions. And you can encourage each other with God's truth and love. And together we are building each other up towards the fullness in Christ. 
And God's made it clear in Scripture, He's designed us to follow Christ together. It's, there are no lone wolves. <laughs> God made the church to be interdependent. He fills up what you lack with His gifts and fellow believers around you. And this is why Peter lists brotherly affection as essential. It's an essential quality to a fruitful and effective life in Christ. And we've talked about in the previous weeks, in 2 Peter, in the later chapters, he warns. It's his big concern in 2 Peter. He warns against false teachers who will entice unsteady followers away. And so, so the, the contrast is clear. T together, we grow in maturity. But alone, we languish. And, and I like uh, to compare this to Plato. Because <laughs> you, you take that lump of, of fresh Play-Doh, right? It, it's soft, it's moist, it's pliable. And you, and you can shape it and mold it into the, to the desired form. But if you start to pick it apart into small pieces and you leave that small piece alone long enough, that piece will dry out to the point where it can't be molded or shaped into anything anymore until you try to come and mold it and it will, it will break and crumble. So together, we are being molded and shaped into the image of Christ. Together, you will be refreshed and encouraged. You'll be, you'll be stretched too, <laughs> but you'll be matured. But alone, we stagnate. We lose our stability, and we more easily drift towards the false teachers. We dry out. Peter calls you to cling to fellow believers with brotherly affection, with sincere affection. Back to 1 Peter chapter 1, 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So purify, purify your soul by obedience to the truth. Purify your thoughts, your ill thoughts, your ill feelings for fellow believers. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter tells us five things to stop doing because they divide your fellowship. Chapter 2, verse 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And this is why we examine ourselves. Look inside your heart. If you see anything like this at all, then obey the truth and repent of them. Stop it. <laughs> Remind yourself of what God has done in Jesus, in you and in all fellow believers, and decide to believe him, believe the truth, obey the truth, and not the sinful attitudes. And instead of these five dividers, embrace Five unifiers. This is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. So let's look at these a little, a little closer here. Unity of mind. 
is to agree on the truth. It's to be God-oriented together, to be led by God's word and God's spirit. Sympathy is shared feelings. It's to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Brotherly affection is to embrace each other as God's family. A tender heart shows compassion towards those in distress. It doesn't condemn them right when they're down in the middle of their distress. Instead, it picks them up and heals. A humble mind seeks to place others first for consideration, for attention, and for aid. And when we all do this together, we, we form a wonderful community where no one is looked down upon, everyone is looked up to, and the most needy receive the greatest attention. To do this, to do this well, <laughs> we, we have to connect with each other. If we don't know each other, if we, can't, we aren't vulnerable enough to share our needs, we're gonna, we, we can't be there for each other. We, that affection will not grow. So when we gather, like this and other times, you know, make sure you introduce yourself to new people. Ask friends how they are really doing. Ask, ask what the worst part of their week was and what the best part of their week was. You know, and when someone asks you and you've developed that trust with them, share something a little deeper than just, uh, I'm fine. You know, share something deeper. Share a Bible verse that God is using in your life. Share how he's moving and working in your life and answering prayer. Because when we make time for fellowship with one another, it strengthens our faith. It strengthens each of your faith. And your faith strengthens your neighbor's faith. And when we serve together, that is connecting. When we seek God together by, through prayer, through Bible study, through striving to grow as disciples, then we connect and grow. And uh, someone recently suggested uh, to me that, that we try to set up a congregational retreat, uh, which I think is an excellent idea because extended, devoted time together is, is extremely valuable. And we, we could talk about what that looks like best to, to include as many of us as we can. Um, but we need to strive for those things. Because when we, when we cultivate our connections, the connections we have in Jesus, when we cultivate those, we grow. But when we disconnect, then those connections starve. And I know that you, this congregation, you people are connecting people. <laughs> I know that you are because when a year over, just over a year ago, last Jan, January of last year, when I was interviewing, or you were interviewing me, really, <laughs> but one thing the call committee shared about all of you is that during COVID, you did not drift apart and scatter. You clung together. You stuck together. You bore each other's burdens. And no one had to tell you to do it. It was just your, your spirit-led response to hardship. So, so I know you are a connecting group and that you're going to continue to do this um, so this is not a you know shame on you thing this is <laughs> this is totally you're doing this keep doing it and no and no maybe understand why we do it so we can do it intentionally galatians 6 2 says bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ 
Jesus sacrificially bore our burdens so he could make us his family, brothers and sisters in Christ. So we now bear each other's burdens because he has made us brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, I want to share a, a story here. Um, the, there's a video of the Brownlee brothers, Alistair and Johnny, and they run triathletes or triathlons. They are kind of the, the top triathletes of, of the previous decade. And in one race, I think this was about 2016, the younger brother, Johnny, at the end of the race, he's got a commanding lead, but he is, he's done. Heat exhaustion has taken over. He is about to collapse flat on the ground. And his brother runs up to him from behind. Alistair runs up, grabs him, hooks him under the shoulder, and together they trot to the finish line. And, and then Alistair pushes his brother over the line to make sure his brother gets across first. And together they get, they get second place and third place. And then it, it, it's reportedly, after they'd all recovered and stuff, uh, Alistair reportedly said, you know, I wish the idiot had just paced it right so that he could have got first place. There's brotherly, there's brotherly love for you. I want, but it, brotherly love. I want you to win first place. So I will, that's what brotherly love says. Brotherly affection says, I want you to win first place. So I will push you to improve. And, and I'll tell you when you're wrong. And I will put you first. I will always be there for you. I will always pick you up, even when you are acting like a punk. <laughs> and that's brotherly affection. And Christ has made us one family. So embrace this family that God has given you. Stick together, root for each other, and bear each other's burdens. Make every effort to grow in brotherly affection. And as we do this together, the knowledge of Christ will be effective and fruitful among us. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you that through Christ you have shown us your love, that you have made us your family, children, your children, that you've shown us true brotherly love and affection in Jesus Christ. And you invite us into this, you call us into this to, to be this, to become this good thing of brotherly affection to each other, to serve each other in this way and to be served by one another in this way. And pray that you would just give us this, this clear vision from your word and by your spirit in our hearts and our minds of brotherly affection. Give us a desire for it, to live up to it, to live it out among ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.